flashing, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Billy Holiday. Porters keep asking me, Billy, why you do the things you do? This is what I tell them. So, good evening. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. A year ago, I watched the United States versus Billy Holiday, available on Hulu. Audrey Day got nominated for an Academy Award for it. It was... I, I run into people who still talk about it. I'm talking about it because this week, I think for only two nights... Phantom of Phantom uh, Events is re-releasing Lady Sings the Blues, where Diana Ross played Billie Holiday. So that's just a taste of it. So like Audra Day, Diana Ross was nominated 50 years ago for an Academy Award. In fact, she's in that film. She's got Billy Dee Williams and the late Richard Pryor. How about that? The film was nominated uh, not for Best Picture, but for Best Actress. It didn't win at the Academy Awards 50 years ago. I might go see it. I want to mention a friend of mine that I went to college with. Her name was Roz. Very sweet. Loved music. Loved film. I remember her telling me one time that she went to go see Lady Sings the Blues when it first came out. I think she went and saw it in Fresno, California at a drive-in. Fit, uh, yeah, in the in the seventies, I had so many classes with Roz. I've always wondered what happened to her, Roz. If you're listening, um, this is the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. We went to college together. Uh, if you can find a way to get a hold of me, send a message to the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. I haven't seen Roz in decades, or roughly probably ten years or so. We talked about music all the time. We talked about primarily how black music really influenced everything. And it did. You know, Little Richard always said that, you know, I'm the king of rock and roll. and You didn't want to give it to me. It's true. It's true. And Roz and I would talk about that. Roz had a very, oh my goodness. Roz went through, she experienced a lot of racism. We talked about that. I remember her talking about it in class. But I I had so many classes with her. And we would talk about that. We would talk about how black artists really didn't get their dues. It wasn't until now. And even now, black artists... I mean, you look at the Super Bowl show... All these conservatives came for that show. Oh, because it's hip hop. Because it's black art. Well, it's it's black artists and then Eminem. And they had an issue with Eminem taking a knee. So, but I know why he did that. And I know why so many of you have an issue with that. Now, Roz, wherever she is, she would probably applaud that. That this white boy, that's probably what she would say, is taking a knee. And that's in solidarity. And that's important. So, when I talk about these films, oh my goodness, you d- <laughs> that Diana Ross segment is a segment in Motown 40, where Motown goes to Los Angeles. Started out in Hitsville, USA, and Detroit, Michigan. And then it goes in the 70s to Hollywood. And Barry Gordy and Diana Ross, Lady Sings the Blues. It was produced by Barry Gordy. And Diana Ross often said, you know, there, there's a clip of her in that Motown 40 where she says, you know, I don't do things for awards, but when they called someone else's name out, it really hurt me. What's interesting is, is that in 1973, Diana Ross... And Cicely Tyson were both nominated for Best Actress. That had never happened. Two black actresses nominated in the lead. And then, last year, at the 2021 Oscars, it happened again. Audra Day was nominated for playing Billie Holiday, just like Diana Ross. 
And Viola Davis was nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, where she played Ma Rainey. Neither of them won. In fact, a black woman, only one has won Best Actress at the Academy Awards. And that was 20 years ago. That's sad. That's sad. I mean, remember what I talked about the other day? How, you know, Whoopi was the second black actress to win an Oscar in over 50 years since Hattie McDaniel. And here we are. It's 2022. A black actress has not won Best Actress since 2002. And that was a moment. Halle Berry and Moses Berry. This is the first Oscar for Halle Berry. This moment is so much bigger than me. This moment is for Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne, Diane Carroll. For the women that stand beside me, Jenna Pinkett, Angela Bassett, Vivica Fox, and it's for every nameless, faceless woman of color that now has a chance because this door tonight has been opened. That's a moment that happened 20 years ago. And it was an interesting night because Sidney Poitier, who we just lost in January, was receiving an honorary Oscar for his life, his body of work. He had he had won an uncompetitive Oscar in 1963. He was the only one to win, win the lead. And then that night in 2002, almost 40 years later, Denzel Washington wins Best Actor in a Leading Role for Training Day. And Halle Berry wins Best Actress for Monsters Ball. Interesting. Long overdue. And so that's where we go back to Diana Ross. Okay. Had Diana Ross won... She would have been the first black actress to win a lead Oscar. Or Cicely Tyson. I love Cicely Tyson. I really do. Cicely Tyson died last year. In fact, the Academy gave her an honorary Oscar in, what was it, 2018, 2017? She was so happy to receive it. She really was. And then Whoopi Goldberg... Okay, in between that, let's see. Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll was nominated for Claudine. Diane Carroll didn't win. And then years later, Whoopi Goldberg was nominated for The Color Purple. She didn't win. She did win for Ghost in 1991. Now, what's interesting also is that night, who was hosting the Oscars? Whoopi Goldberg. And so Whoopi congratulated Halle Berry. And she says, Thank, I wanna, uh, she says, I want to acknowledge... Halle Berry for winning that. In fact, if I think I have a clip of it. That that was a moment. And what and who and who does Halle Berry mention in her speech? She mentions Vivica Fox, Lena Horne, Diane Carroll, Angela Bassett, Jada Pinkett Smith, Vivica Fox. In her acceptance speech. And it says something. It says that, look, I may be the winner, but I'm you all are coming with me. It was a beautiful moment. It truly was. 
She's never, I mean, no, no black actress has ever won. In fact, Dr. Maya Angelou uh, talked about it in the news and said it was, it was a beautiful moment. I want to stop right there and just give um, some respect to Guy Johnson. Uh, I think his real name was Clyde Johnson, uh, who was the son of Dr. Maya Angelou, who passed away on Thursday. He was the keeper of the flame. He lived here in California in Oakland. So I want to give um, Mr. Guy Johnson some respect because, you know, he became his own man. He says, people always say you lived in her light. And he says, no, I lived in her love. Um, He, in terms of her legacy. Oh, my goodness. And then the grandchildren as well. But. Hollywood, Hollywood has always had issues with diversity when it comes to the Oscars. Okay? And it's usually regulated to supporting. And interesting, this year, nominated for Best Actor is a Spaniard, Mr. Javier Bardem, who has won before for supporting for No Country for Old Men. And his wife, Penelope Cruz, who was nominated for Best Actress. Um, let's see. Okay, I was looking for the clip. I can't find it. But Whoopi, Whoopi gave a speech. She was hosting that night. And she says, I want to just acknowledge Halle Berry for opening that door. Because she almost won it. So there's a weird there's a weird history and in fact I won't play all of the speech, but Halle Berry says I, I, I give me more time because I this is seventy-four years. Seventy-four years. The first actress to ever be nominated for Best Actress, who was black, was Miss Dorothy Dandridge. And Halle Berry played her. And Halle Berry won an Emmy for playing Dorothy Dandridge. How eerie is that? Or it's not eerie. That that connection right there is that you play the first black actress who was nominated for Best Actress. And you go up and you end up winning Best Actress in a leading role. So there have been so many... Who, I mean, Viola Davis. Viola Davis almost won in 2012, 10 years ago. But the Academy said, well, Meryl is overdue. It's been 30 years. Give her another one. I thought, well. So it's a long road to that moment. In fact, Viola won a supporting Oscar. For fences. Now, the great Morgan Freeman. He won an Oscar for Million Dollar Baby and supporting. But even he was like, supporting? Because he is a leading man. He's been nominated for Driving Miss Daisy. He's been nominated for Street Smarts. He's been nominated for Shawshank Redemption, which he should have won for. I love Tom Hanks, but he should have won for that. He was been not he was nominated for Invictus where he played um Nelson Mandela. May he rest in peace. So there really aren't a lot of people of color who have won that lead Oscar. Isn't that weird? Isn't that fucked up? Let's say it. Yeah, last year Audrey Day could have been the second. Audrey Day or Viola Davis. I know some of you are like, well, what does it matter? Well, this country that we live in is a melting pot. Very diverse. Okay. The, the film the film should um, mirror that. They really should. You may not think so. And yeah, you know, oh, I don't need to be represented. Hey. I, I talked about podcasts from Ghostbusters Afterlife. I felt represented right there <laughs> as a podcaster. It was great. In fact, I'll go back to the 90s. It wasn't until 1991 
that the first black director was nominated and the youngest. And his name was John Singleton. And he was nominated for Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood is a pivotal moment. That is a cultural moment. First of all, you've got Ice Cube. Who who would have thought that Ice Cube would become this big movie star? That's his first movie. Cuba Gooding Jr. In fact, I think Angela Bassett's in it. Lawrence Fishburne. Easy E even did a song on it. Boys in the Hood. This is um such a powerful film. And John Singleton, he could have won. He should have won. He should have won. Didn't win. That would have said something right there. Is that okay? And he died about two years ago. That impact is so powerful. So powerful. And I want to play for you. This is a clip of John Singleton talking about his first Hollywood meeting. studio on the screenplay it was my first meeting ever mind you of of any note i come in with with a public enemy t-shirt on and some jeans and stuff and i have this whole kind of like notion that i'm gonna spengali them into doing this film but my father always told me in the art of sales you don't you don't really actively sell something to them yet it made people feel like they've actually you know they've actually gone out and bought it themselves you don't have to you know, you don't make them know that you're convincing them to your way of thinking. So my attitude was just to be player very, very cool. And they asked me a question. They said, so we hear you want to direct this movie. And I said, I'm going to direct this film. And they said, well, why do you think you can direct this film? And I said, because I was born to direct it. And they said, well, what if we want to just give you some money and we'll have somebody else do this film? I said, well, then we have to end this meeting. And I said, because I'm making this film. You know, this is a film that me and my friends sat up on the porch talked about the need to be done and um you know it's like easy rider you know it's, it's going to tap into something that basically is happening that hasn't been expressed on film before and i said it's not going to cost a lot of money and um the president of columbia at the time frank price basically nodded his head and they told me later on that day you know hey you know you're gonna make your movie and then i was scared because i was like oh man you know <laughs> I hadn't really directed anything. I directed, you know, stuff on video and some eight millimeter shorts with no sound on them and stuff, but it hadn't been no applicable thinking of how to shoot a film. And so um, after I got the gig to do the film, I just basically ensconced myself in my small apartment watching, you know, videotapes like, you know, 12 hours a day of, of my favorite films, you know, like The Godfather and Jaws and The 400 Blows and Seventh Samurai. And I make note about what made these films great. I have a big note that I had used at that time, uh, showing characters in relationship to their environment, whatever that means, but having a shot that basically the environment and the characters are interacting and expressing a certain theme that, that, that's trying to be conveyed in, in, into the scene. Like, you know, where a little boy is walking up the street alone from school and in the background there's some men playing dice and then a fight breaks out and he turns over his shoulder and looks at it. And it says so much, you know, um, with one shot, um, I think it's, uh, there's a thing in still photography called reportage. Um, a, a, a French photographer named Cartier-Bresson was a, a big exponent of reportage. And I was trying to, like, do that, and, you know, with certain single images express themes that are in, my, in, in, in the story. And those are just things that I, I came up with, you know, on a natural order of just of a desperation to, want, to wanting to make a good film. That is John Singleton talking to the American Film Institute in 2020 I believe or no it was uploaded so it must have been earlier than that because he died in 2019 
Boys in the Hood, as I said before, that's a cultural moment. That's a cult. You think of the cast. Many of them had never done a film before, including Ice Cube, including John Singleton, the director, and having to say, look, to the studio, I'm, I'm doing this film. This is my film. This was this was realism. And that's what John Singleton tapped in. This wasn't a documentary. And it's not lost on me that it ends right there. I wish I could play the whole movie for you. That's a pivotal moment that many of you aren't aware of. Or you are now. It's getting pulled over. Every black and brown man or woman is fully aware of that. And that's why Boys in the Hood is a cultural moment. Because it's letting people know who aren't black and brown. This is what goes on in the neighborhood. Boys in the Hood is a critically acclaimed story of three friends growing up in South Central Los Angeles neighborhood. It is a place where harmony coexists with adversity, especially for three young men growing up there. Doughboy, Ice Cube, who's a drug dealer. His brother, Ricky, Morris Chestnut, a college-bound teenage father. And Ricky's best friend, Trey, Cuba Gooding Jr., who aspires to a brighter future beyond the hood. In a world where a trip to the store can end in death, the friends have diverse reactions to their bleak surroundings. Trey's resolve is straightened by his strong father, played by Lawrence Fishburne, who keeps him on the right track. But the lessons Trey learns are put to the ultimate test when tragedy strikes close to home, and violence seems the only recourse. So that moment that's turf wars and what happens all you have to watch and find out this is a brutally honest film that was the beauty of John Singleton is that he says look I'm going to show you where I'm from and I'm going to show you realism. I'm not going to show you things. That, oh, let's just cook this up. Let's write it up. Let's do a let's do um, a screenplay and pretend. No, no, this is real. Whether it was with poetic justice, higher learning. What a prolific filmmaker! Whew. In fact, Cuba Gooding Jr. went on to win an Oscar for Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Well, 
Boys in the Hood showed him Hollywood. That's a that's a raw taste. And the person that we remember the most in Boys in the Hood is Ice Cube. Ice Cube had never acted before. He he was a natural at it. It's it's a it's an interesting thing to watch. And then you think of him in Friday where he's just, he's it's this comedy. And then um Barbershop. I read a really great book that I want to talk about, which ties into this. Written by the great Jennifer Lewis. And the book is called Mother Black Hollywood. Jennifer Lewis has done it all. She's done Broadway. She's done television. She's done film. Um, this is this is uh, her book was so powerful, and she's open about her bipolar disorder. She's open about her sexual addictions. I mean, if I could play a clip, this is this is I, this is a good clip, or no, you know what I. Her talking about Hollywood is interesting because she played she played Selma Bullock, Tina Turner's mother. She played Whitney Houston's mother. Here we go. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the applause coming over the footlights is like a slow motion tsunami of adoration, like jumping on a spaceship and riding it bareback to Pluto. The crash after the show, I assure you, is just as intense. Let's just say I had a sort of unconscious habit of using post-show sex to come back to Earth. Well, unconscious habit isn't really accurate. I wore my sexuality like a medal. Ha! I was Cleopatra, Pam Greer, Marilyn Monroe, and Jezebel rolled into one. A jaguar with skin supple as a baby's ass, capturing my prey with lust. <laughs> I love Jennifer Lewis. And she's pl- she really is the mother of Black Hollywood. She has played everybody. She's played Tupac's mom. She's played Whitney's mom. She's the grandmother in Blackish. She's played alongside Whoopi. I mean, what a. That's an icon. Okay. And she talks about race. And she talks about coming up in Hollywood. How you have to work twice as hard if you are black or brown. And she's played everybody's mother. So that tells you in Hollywood, oh, we need a motherly type called Jennifer Lewis. She has a really great song um, that she sang, I remember, on Rosie O'Donnell years ago in the 90s called Black Don't Crack. That's why I love Jennifer Lewis. She wears her heart on her sleeve. She is honest about her, her sexual escapades. She's honest about her bipolar disorder. She's honest about what she really thinks of Hollywood. She was pitched a script one time by Norman Lear. And he flat out turned her down. And she in the book talks about, she confronted him about that. She didn't back down. I loved her. She was on In Living Color. And she plays this mom who's on the phone and people break in. Her kid chokes. She's like, that just proves my point. Hollywood, if only Hollywood, I mean, let me be honest with you. If Hollywood were a different place and a little more accepting, which it's not, Jennifer Lewis would have an Oscar. Tupac would have had one too. It's 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 still I mean, come on. Usually if you're black or brown or or Asian, you're gonna get you're gonna get a supporting nomination. And if you win, you win in supporting. You don't win in lead. 
Regina King, who was also in Boys in the Hood, won an Oscar for supporting. She's been in the business a long time. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's only been nominated once. You want to talk about a damn good actor? And yeah, at the end of the day, maybe the awards don't matter. But if you notice, the awards are usually so white. So white, you got to put sunglasses on. Yep. This is a brown man telling you that. (laughs) If I were in Hollywood right now, I would probably be playing, well, your stereotypical Latino. I'd have to talk with an accent. I'd probably be playing a gangbanger or someone who runs a store. They wouldn't think, oh, we'll cast him as the professor or we'll cast him as the hero. Okay. Now in porn that would be a different story. <laughs> that and I'm going there. I'm going there cuz porn is a lot more diverse in Hollywood. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Is that in porn it doesn't matter who you fuck. <laughs> as long as you look good doing it. In Hollywood it's who you know and who you blow. Let's get real. I could just do a rendition of A Change Is Gonna Come, but that's not my song. That's Sam Sam Cooke. Um, <coughs> some of my favorite actors and actresses are old black men and black women. Because they have a story to tell. Musicians primarily. Buddy Guy's got a story to tell. Mavis Staples has a story to tell. I was thinking of Friday. I love Friday. And the the way that opened. Okay. Who opens the movie Friday? Do you remember? That was over 27 years ago. Ice Cube's in the opening part. (laughs) Okay. But who? Well, of course, there is, you know, by Felicia. And people have played that out. It's always funny now when people say by Felicia. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when Friday came out. (laughs) (coughs) And then you think of the the cast you've got John Witherspoon and Regina King oh my god Ice Cube Chris Tucker Nia Long Nia Long who was in Boys in the Hood along with Regina King and along with Ice Cube Mm. my favorite part let's see oh it's not this wrong video in Friday, I think that's where we're gonna we're gonna end tonight, cause it's been a long night. This 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 says a lot about my humor, cause you know I wasn't I wasn't raised religious, and sometimes they would come to the door, but I would never think to say to speak this way to any stranger who comes to my door. Um, let's see. Good morning. Are 
are you prepared for Jehovah's return? Because if you're not, I have a pair for you. Well, fuck you. Dead, dead motherfucker. Come on, Pussy. Come on, Pussy. <laughs> I love that. Now, if you if you don't recognize that actress and well, it's a generation thing because she was well known on Sanford and Son. Now, I used to watch old reruns of Sanford and Son. So I know exactly who the fuck she was. And she was also in many of the Dean Martin um, roasts. You know, before Comedy Central got a hold of them and turned them into a big fuck fest. Um, but that actress, I LaWanda Page. Oh, God, I love LaWanda Page. She was hilarious. She made no apologies for saying that, too, because people think, oh, Jehovah's Witness, she's nice. No, no. What does she do when he slams the door in her face like anyone would do if someone slams the door in your face? Well, fuck you! <laughs> now, remember, Prince was also a Jehovah's Witness, but, in fact, Prince stopped cursing because he was a Jehovah's Witness. So he'd be like, I'm not going to sing Erotic City. Because I'm a Jehovah's Witness now and I don't say the bad words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Can we talk about Prince just for a bit? Won an Academy Award for score. I don't even think that that's a category anymore. For Purple Rain. He acted in the film. You know? That's a that's, that's a moment right there. He then he did it again with Sign of the Times. He I mean Under the Cherry Moon. Cherry the, the other films were not, you know, they didn't they didn't rise to that occasion like Purple Rain. But that said something about Prince is that Prince Prince had a vision of what he wanted his music to do and what he wanted his films to do. And he was right in there. He was in there. Prince, Prince really did prove you don't need the record label. You don't. What did he do? He wrote Slave on his face to say to Warner Brothers, look, I'm just going to call myself the symbol because you put a price tag on my name. My mother gave me that name. That's really why he did that. A lot of people were like, well, it's a stunt because they figure it's Prince. He likes to do stunts. No, he's a smart man. He wanted those master recordings. In fact, many artists have talked about Prince would tell them off when they'd say, oh, he, I want to record with you. And then they'd say, okay. And then he'd say, do you own your masters? No, then I won't record with you. Because he knew he was ahead of the curve. That is Hollywood. Hollywood, we have a problem. It's called diversity. Diversify. Inclusion writer. And who said that when she won her Oscar? Frances McDormand. She won that Oscar the second time and she says, I have two words for you. Inclusion writer. Yep. And she's currently in Macbeth with uh, the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington is nominated for the tragedy of Macbeth. So if Denzel wins, and I hope he does, <laughs> I really do. Let's get real. Do you think I want Will Smith to win? Well, he's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes, I know. People are like, oh, but he's so good. He's so good. If he's so good, then why did you have to put out that book? I don't want to know that you and your wife like to swing. I don't want to know that. Hey, Jennifer Lewis, uh, yeah, she wears her heart on her sleeve. But she's not going to write a book talking about her and her husband like to swing. I don't want to know. I just don't. I don't. <sighs> Hollywood. 
that's the other thing is my issue with that is then that shows that oh, okay if you're a person of color then you're promiscuous no we're not all promiscuous that's the issue I have with that Will Smith so you better fix it you better fix it okay alright I that would be funny if he listened to the show but whatever alright so we've got some people of color in these nominations for the Oscars. You've got Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. How do you say her name? Okay. For King Richard. And we were just talking about Will Smith. Um, how do you say it? Okay. With these MacBooks, you know, you have to... Uh, Uh, Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Mm. That's one. Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Of course, he's playing Desi Arnaz. Will Smith for King Richard. Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. And that's it. <coughs> Not as diverse as last year. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So last year's best actor nominee, Riz, Riz Ahmed. I'm such a fan of Riz Ahmed. Come on. He is nominated for The Long Goodbye for live action short film. If he wins, he will be the first who has been nominated for best actor win others have been nominated and they don't win you know <sighs> it's it's a shit show hollywood that's the other thing is last year was very diverse in terms of the nominations okay but i do have an issue i watched chadwick boseman in ma rainey's black bottom that character no that's my issue is why would you nominate people who are playing bad people? You give the Oscar to Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker is such a great actor for playing a bad guy. Idi Amin. You give it to Denzel Washington for Training Day for playing a corrupt cop. You give it to Halle Berry and Monsters Ball for playing, oh god, that character. Shoo. Come on. Why can't you give it to, you know, someone who's playing someone who has a lot of heart, who is not bad? They love to give Oscars to people for playing villains. Okay. But why, Hollywood, talk to me. Why are you giving it to black and brown people? Javier Bardem won an Oscar for playing a bad guy. Okay. He's nominated for playing uh, for playing uh, Desi Arnaz. If he wins, maybe that will break the mold. I don't know. It's the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. I'm about to get real, so yeah, it's it's Friday night. I've had my fun. I'm drinking my sparkling water, no sugar. Yeah. So Hollywood, we have a uh, an inclusion problem. We do. Or like, it's so wonderful when you have straight actors playing gay actors. There's a lot of gay actors out there that mm, you could cast. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you could give Mario Cantone a call. Please don't give Andy Cohen a call because I don't want to see him in anything. Um... You could give Cherry... Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones is such a great actress. I'm always stunned that she's never been nominated. She's gay. Let her play someone who's gay. Okay? That rhymed. Rami Malek played... um, Freddie Mercury. I was listening to Queen today and I just thought, no. I love Queen. But that movie, Bohemian Rhapsody... The Elton John movie, and I've talked about this before. 
Now that, that was impressive. And it was told from a musical narrative. And it just so happens that the guy they cast, Taram Egerton, could sing. Rami Malek, I'm talking to you. Lip syncing. But Rami Malek, you know, that's 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 where Hollywood, okay, we're 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 getting diverse because he, you know, is of uh Middle Eastern he's Egyptian. He won the Oscar for Best Actor. Yeah. Okay. Last year, I'm telling you, it was a shit show. It was a shit show. Because then it's like, okay. It kind of reminded me of the Grammys. You know how they nominate all the cool people and then they don't give them the award? It's kind of like the Oscars. It's like, okay, we're going to nominate Kendrick Lamar, I'm such a fan of. But for album of the year, oh, but we're not going to give it to him. We're going to give it to someone else instead. We're going to nominate Audra Day for playing Billie Holiday so brilliantly. Oh, but we're going to give it to Frances McDormand. She's already got two. We're going to nominate Chadwick Boseman for a role. I, I don't I don't think they should have nominated him for it. That was a death vote. He should have gotten nominated for uh, 42 for playing Jackie Robinson. Because that's a historical part right there. So, but Black Panther did get nominated for Best Picture. That's a moment. That is truly a moment. But you know, in my world... No, I won't say that. I was going to say something kind of naughty, but... You know, this is a podcast. I don't do that anymore. I just don't. Now, I've already sent... Uh... A notation to the, a friend of this show, Carlos Delano. I know he's listening, aren't you? He's in bed probably right now, turning red. His ears turn red um, because I want him on the show. Because then, then, then I have then I have a reason to get naughty on the show. I'll take a couple of edibles. And say, hey, let's talk about this. Because Carlos used to work for a big media company. I'm not going to say who. Because I don't have that permission. If he comes on the show, I'm gonna ask him. I'm, you know, I'm gonna be like Oprah when she talked to Whitney. I just want to stop tape right now because I want to talk to Whitney for a moment. I'm gonna stop tape and I'm gonna say I want to talk to Carlos for a moment. Okay, what what can we talk about? You can tell me. I don't want to talk about this. Yep. Oh, Carlos. Carlos isn't well. Carlos is an editor. So Carlos could tell you what's what film is good, but the editing sucked. Isn't that right? He knows a lot about it. Um, I remember years ago we were talking about Milk and how it was edited so well. And then we were talking about Slumdog Millionaire, which he loved. And he says, oh, but the editing sucked. And I thought, whoa. The fact that you can you can pinpoint that because he's an editor hot 25s hot 15s i mean come on come on that's that's the language that he speaks isn't that right yeah (laughs) and you know we both like diversity we truly do oh my goodness people this is a dr zeus fucking film podcast oh we haven't had this person on a show in a while when I said that. So briefly to end tonight's show, Carrie Francis Fisher. Hi, this is Carrie Fisher. Oh, you know, you were talking about Carlos and even I got moist. Carrie, what are you doing? I may be dead, but I'm not stupid. Diversity in Hollywood has always been a problem. Okay. It. It might take generations to fix that. It might. I mean, you know, in my world, the Carrie Fisher world, I enjoyed, oh God, what's that film? Mm, Creed. Why'd you like Creed, Carrie? Because he takes his shirt off. (laughs) Oh yeah. You don't want to see it, I'll see it. Fuck it. This is Carrie fucking Francis Fisher, and I approved of this ludus, lewd act. The Dr. Zeus film podcast resurrects dead people like me. 
We talk about films. We talk about diversity. You know, it's been said sometimes that may I may have eaten pussy, but I don't know. I don't quote me on that. So, Carrie, uh, were you? Did you ever? Oh God, I don't want to go the route of Andy Cohen. Shh. No, you're better than that, sweetie. Did I ever take a dip in the lady pond? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I don't think it matters who you fuck at the end of the day. It doesn't. And, you know, you made a very good point about porn. How porn is more diverse than Hollywood, which is true. You know, you could think of a... Oh, God. A movie. And think, whoa, that orgy scene is not diverse. But in porn, you've got one guy and uh, guys of all different colors, shapes, and sizes. And I do mean the magnum size. <laughs> Carrie. You know, the Dr. Zeus film podcast can get pretty fucking silly. This is an adult show. This isn't for the kiddies. And I'm talking about some of those millennials who think they're all that in a bag of dicks. You know, sweeties, art did not begin with Katy Perry. It didn't begin with Madonna either. Madonna's old enough to be your grandma's. It started out with Cher and Tina Turner. Yeah, we don't need another hero. We got a Shiro. Whoa, Carrie Fisher. I'm just bringing it, okay? Thank you. This is Carrie Fisher. I'm getting my star on the Walk of Fame this year. I had to be dead, was it five years to get it? Yeah. I don't know what kind of fucking bullshit that is. I just don't. Thank you, Carrie Fisher. Don't mention it. And so that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast talking about diversity and why yes. I won't do a podcast about porn, but I will... I. Hey, nothing wrong with porn. Maybe, maybe that will be my next podcast. I'll do, I'll do a different format. <laughs> Interview porn stars. Um, yeah, because it's more diverse. Let's let's call it like it is. Even people who don't, I don't watch porn. Okay, Pornhub, Pornhub has your, you know, your internet address. But anyway, anyway, and OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> Diversity in Hollywood. You know, that used to be the thing was a lot of actors would come there to Hollywood to make films and then end up going into porn. <laughs> now it's like, hey, they're not going to give you the Oscar, but they'll give you the GVN. They'll give you the porn awards, the equivalent of the porn Oscar. You know, yeah. A spade is a spade. And that is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And yes, I was sober. Unpleasant dreams.